coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the show. <laughs> With Nick Rizzo. I don't know if I'm entirely ready for it. And Sean Sauterly. There's been no bigger show for Soccer Chat than this one. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. And it's brought to you every single week for free by some great friends of ours like Dutic Brand. Check out DutikBrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Use the promo code SOCCERCHAT at checkout and get yourself a sweet, sweet discount just by using the promo code SOCCERCHAT whenever you visit DutikBrand.com. Shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. For the world's greatest ball pump, you're going to love having one of those when this pandemic is over with and you got to air those balls back up. You're going to want to have yourself a Torx it's going to be great check it out t-o-r-r-x.com ellis riley and the mates over at soccer iq one big things happening for uh for our man ellis riley got a new job just recently the soccer chat effect uh check out soccer iq one on twitter for some great material to use for your teams uh when talking about your technical needs the best way to support this podcast because it is a listener supported podcast supported by people just like you who's listening to this right now. You can share out the links every single week. Let us know what you like. Let us know some of your favorite parts of the episode, uh, sharing the links out on your Facebook, your Twitter, and your Instagram and following the chat every single conversation on Wednesday nights at 9 30 PM Eastern time, just by following the hashtag soccer chat. He's Nick. I'm Sean, and the red hoodie has made its return. I have not seen that in like four weeks. That's because the temperature dropped to about 35 degrees in Illinois recently. So it warranted more clothing in this area, which was the reason for the red hoodie being brought back to to, to just on my body. I don't know how I was going to finish that statement. <laughs> <laughs> We're still in this, uh, this crazy pandemic. Uh, you know, we've been kind of talking the last few weeks with various coaches who uh, have been affected by it or just various different things. And, um, you know, today it was announced that the, the DA, uh, U.S. soccer has shut down the DA. But my prediction became true, though. I made a comment uh, Tuesday night during our uh, college coaches chat that I don't think this announcement happens without some type of plan. And yeah. lo and behold, I think they announced it like 524, the DA was shut down. And then like 30 minutes later, here comes the MLS and was like, hey guys. By the way. By the way, <laughs> we're going to start this elite competition league for those teams. So come on over if you want to play. Yeah, And it's no. like, come on. Because I, I said Tuesday night, I was like, I don't see how they're making this decision to shut down the DA without something already ready to go. There was also, you made the comment in I think one of our group messages that like ECNL the other day was talking about how they are at capacity. They can't let any more teams and lo and behold, who's DA adding more down. Teams? And there's quite a few ECNL teams that are, are DA announced today. that are making the transition back to ECNL. Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's funny how that all works out, isn't it? There's a, there's a few things going on that you and me probably don't know about, but there's definitely a few things going on. But and then to, to be honest, like I made the comment last time we were on that chat too. Like in a sense, I'm very happy about that because it's we have a lot of coaching friends in the DA. We have a lot of coaching friends that if the DA shut down and those people lost jobs, would be their families and everything would be very poorly affected and no one wants that at all. And so I think that the fact that they're 
are other options for these coaches that are coaching at these clubs and doing a really good job. We know quite a few DA coaches that are incredible people that are really doing an awesome job that they're like, it's not just like shutting down. The clubs are shutting down. Everything's shutting down. They're going to lose their jobs and everything. I mean, who knows in a year with this, this coronavirus thing doesn't get fixed and like clubs don't exist, but like for at least a while, but at least it seems like there's options for those people to continue to do what they're doing and continue to do the great job that they're doing, which was encouraging to me from all that stuff today. And then not too much longer after the MLS talked about their thing, U.S. Soccer puts out a tweet with a link. U.S. Soccer leads development of new elite soccer platform um, that uh, if you read the, uh, the replies to it, uh, kind of breaks the story down itself of um, you're just starting it up, but you're still in the planning stages. How is this going to work? Uh, and then someone said elite. I just love the use of this word in the U.S. It just carries so much value. Uh, <laughs> such a phenomenon of a middle class uh, milieu that has so much anxiety about being regarded as anything less than bourgeoisie. Uh, I haven't said that word in a long time. Um, it's hilarious. The American middle class, not really sure that gets to, but uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, because this had gotten brought up um, in uh, the, the, the college coaches call Tuesday night um, about, you know, how that, how this affects. And I think that, I don't know. I just see the clubs just operating as normal. They're still whatever club name that they are. They're just in a different organization. Like I don't see that they're just like, Oh, well we don't have DA. So we're just going to shut everything down. I don't think that's the case. And as I mentioned in my area, we only have one DA team in our entire state and where I live at in the third largest city, we only have, I think two kids that play DA one on the boys and one on the girl side. So I don't think our our area at least is not affected by it. Um, but no. it is, um, it's something that, I don't know. There's just, there's so much going on. And, and at this moment in time, it's the least of my, I think this is the big thing is the least of my concern. What is going on with DA and what is going on with that? And I, I know that as coaches and as college coaches, you know, we should be uh, in on all this stuff, but I just, it's the least of my concerns. Like there are so many other things going on right now that, I, to me and my soccer are more important than what's happening with the DA. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, it is, everyone's kind of in their own lens right now. Everyone is, I think a lot of people are just around the country are scared. I mean, I like just seeing around the country right now with all the colleges that are dropping programs and two more today. Yeah. I mean, it's in like, like Cincinnati dropping their program and that won't be the last one. And so I think a lot of, I think, I mean, me personally, I mean, like it's 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 a scary time for anyone across the country that no matter what job you're in whether it's soccer whether it's anything like like just being able to provide for yourself provide for your families it's 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 a really scary time and um hopefully this all gets figured out and everything eventually works out but these next few months are going to be just an interesting time because a lot of big institutions and higher up people are going to be making very important decisions that affect a lot of us and so I don't know. I'm definitely like, I wouldn't say I'm nervous yet because I, I, I am a fairly optimistic person with a lot of stuff, but it's something that it, it's a lot of things are going to be aside in the next weeks, months, and it, it's going to affect a lot of us. So just hoping for the best for everyone right now. Yeah. And I think as I will stand by my prediction that you and I were talking about earlier, I just, I don't see us playing in the fall. I just, it, I, 
I don't understand. I, I'm the same thing as Kirk Herbstreet says uh, that that Kai Edwards has has talked about about how what college is going to allow fifty thousand fans to come to a football game when there's no vaccine for this. Yeah. Um, and so I that has really sunk more and more into me as time goes on. Um, to where I think it was today. I just had I happened to be thinking about something, and I was just like, you know what, I. I hope that we play in the fall. Don't get me wrong. I hope that we do. I just don't see it happening at this moment in time. Yeah. I like I'm, I, I'm definitely with you. I think that it's the possibility of is diminishing every single day. I think that the only thing that is the silver line for me is so many things change so drastically, like it, negative or positive, like, like four weeks ago, it was coronavirus isn't going to affect us. Two weeks ago, yeah. it was coronavirus is going to kill 200,000 people in the United States. Last it's, week, it's... It's fine. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. This like, past week, like, it's it's going to be closer to 60,000, 80,000 people. Like, everything, like, in every single week, we get a new prediction and a new way this is going to go about happening. So, it's, like, I'm not... I'm not call, like I'm with you. I think it's it's highly unlikely that this is not gonna happen in the fall. But I also like so many things are gonna change in four months. I have no idea what. I don't want to make predictions because three months ago I was in the boat of like, why are we making such a big deal out of this? So I I, I think that a lot of things are gonna change that I I don't even want to make a prediction one way or the other because it's it, again by this time two weeks from now something else will be different. I just noticed that for me, all the like drastic things that people say of like, oh, it's not that bad or it's going to get better. I just noticed that all of that has been wrong. And so I'm just like, you know what? If you're saying that it's going to be fine, that means it's going to get worse. Um, yeah. And that's kind of been the cool thing about like my AD. Um, he's, he's been very sharp in telling us about like, hey, like, you know, I still don't even think that we've seen the worst of all of this. Um, yeah. And he's been really informative and really has kind of, open up my eyes uh, on, on a lot of things. And, you know, obviously he's the same way. Like we want to, we want to get these kids out playing. Uh, it, it's, it's a good form, but at the same time, like we're not going to put them in danger because just as Herb Street said, and, and Kai will tell it to anybody who listens, no school is going to want that lawsuit when everybody comes back and some kid gets, uh, gets the virus and we still don't have a vaccine for it. And the lawsuit that's going to happen from that, no one wants that on them. Um, and so I just, you know, and this all got brought up just because of, uh, tournaments are starting to announce like, Hey, we're doing our showcase in June now since we couldn't have it in April. And it's like, dog, you ain't playing. Like, let's just, let's be honest. You are not having your showcase in June. It's just not happening. Um, unless some type of crazy miracle happens and everybody can go get a shot through a drive-thru. I just, I don't see it happening. Um, but what I do see happening is uh, Nick got a fantastic get this week for our interview. Shout out to you, man. I don't have it. It doesn't happen often. So when it does, we need to recognize it, that I did something okay for this podcast. He, uh, he, he went out and we're not going to give the, uh, the middle person involved uh, in the conversations to get our, our guest on this week. We're not going to give him any credit whatsoever, Mike Mountain. Um, no, but, no uh, credit at all. Zero, it. zero credit. Worst person ever. You know, I'm not going to go that route, <laughs> but I smell what you're cooking. Um, but we've got an amazing, amazing, amazing guest. Uh, and I, you know, I don't think 
this is the last that you'll hear from uh, from her on Soccer Chat. And I, we can't wait for you all to listen to this uh, coming up. I've had my show. illustrious guest every single week uh and this pandemic has has, has allowed us to to reach out and speak to a lot of coaches um and and this week is, is no different we have uh i would go so far as to say nick soccer royalty if we really oh want to this like playing career wise this is our biggest get we've ever got and it's not even close all right. We have, uh, obviously, if you guys remember our show from uh, Baltimore, Nick uh, got to travel uh, with our good buddy, Mike Melton, uh, over to the Naval uh, uh, base and, and the, the, the campus and check it out. And, and uh, Nick kind of reported to you all of, of what he would struggle with uh, if he was there. Uh, we all know what I would struggle with if I was there. Uh, but we have with us the women's soccer head coach of Navy, uh, the famous, ever famous Karen Gabara. Karen, how is it? How is it? I am so excited. You call, you said illustrious, illustrious. royalty, royalty. Um, All I, I've never been called either either of those. So you guys are already my favorites. Sean puts people over the best. Like if you come on the show, like forever for the rest of your life, Sean is going to put you over to everyone. Like he is very good about that. That's excellent. I like it. Illustrious. Never I've heard had a, I've had a lot of people that have asked if I will walk into rooms with them and introduce them uh, when, they, when they walk into their room. Okay. So I would, I would have no problem doing that for you. Excellent. You're in. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Uh, so, you know, like with, with Soccer Chat, we talk every single week to coaches, and, and the big thing about Soccer Chat is to know who you are the coach now. Uh, you know, we've got to know how you got to this point. So kind of give everybody a brief, brief background and uh, how you got to the Naval Academy. Where did it all start? If you got to talk about your U8 playing days, let's talk about it. You said brief, though, so you okay. don't realize my age if you're saying brief and how I got to where I am now. But when you're illustrious, you can the brief can be as long as you want it to be. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Um, I think my family moved to Southern California when I was eight years old, and I have two older brothers, um, and they both played sports. And then when we got there, my mom just saw a little girl playing soccer in the neighborhood. And she said, signing her up. So they signed me up. So it was very interesting. And, um, you know, I was, I think I was very fortunate because it was Southern California and they were probably um, a little ahead in some of the things they were doing um, with uh, having female sports. But, you know, any, any time I do an interview, the most important thing for me to touch on is I was a Title IX baby. I am a Title IX baby. I grew up during that time. I saw those massive changes and I'm extremely thankful for all of them. Um, and I'm it's extremely thankful for that bill because it changed my life and the trajectory of, of any female athletes out there. So, um, you know, my first practice, I walked in and, and thought I was going to be, you know, 
having some fun. And, and the coach said, so what position do you play? And I said, there's positions. I, I was <laughs> clueless. So, yep. Just like it happens in many sports, they put me in goal. So <laughs> I uh, played the first half in goal and they, they felt bad and took me out and uh, I scored nine goals the second half. So things <laughs> took off a little bit from there. So um, I, I can only see the coach after that game being like, yeah, you know, I don't think goalies where you're supposed to be at. There's uh there's other better options for us with that, with that position. It was fun. And, and, and I loved it, of course. And being the beginning of girls playing soccer, I played for the geraniums. I played for the zinnias and I played for the petunias growing up. So I always wanted the cool names that the boys have, but um, that wasn't to be had. We've noticed. Is that the coolest name that we've had? Like she's got, she got some pretty good ones. Do those beat Becky's initial? I don't, I was going to say the, our, our coaching friends that we've had on, um, who, who played in your illustrious time. Um, the, the, I feel like the, the rec league names for teams were so much better when you were a kid compared to when Nick and I are, were kids and even my own kids now, like, I don't know. The dinghies still has to be the number one. Like, I don't know. Like those are pretty close, but I don't know. It's going to take something really, really out of left field to beat the dinghies. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, geraniums and petunias are pretty good. <laughs> those they are. are. My daughter would want to play for those two teams. Yeah. Pretty girly, <laughs> but pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that translated into just a love for the game and, and going on and, and playing in college. You know, what was that? When did you kind of realize, like, hey, this is – was it that nine goals in, in the second half? Or when was it you were kind of like, hey, this is, this, this is my thing? Actually, it took a while for me because, you know, when I was young, um, everybody played multiple sports. And I played anything thrown at me and obviously followed whatever my brothers did. So uh, I was lucky that I got to play multiple sports all the time. Um, speaking of the Title IX thing, you know, my parents got a phone call, second grade – uh, you know, we just moved to Southern California and uh, the principal from from my uh, elementary school called my parents and my dad. Oh, boy, what did she do now? The typical uh, child in trouble thing. And uh, the principal's calling because he couldn't believe it because I did not want to square dance in PE with the girls. I was demanding to go outside and play softball with the boys. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, part of my story and part of my journey is all the changes that I saw and that's an absolutely true story. And my dad, um, bless him, said, well, put her outside with the boys. And I got to do that. And I got to see a lot of great changes. So I loved all sports, you know, having two older brothers. And, you know, that was a common bond on, on the national team in the first decade. You know, we spent a lot of time traveling and we were never in the U.S. We were always abroad. And we had a lot of discussions. And one that resonated with me really strongly was that every player on our team except for April Heinrichs had older brothers and we're in the game because of older <laughs> brothers, because that's the generation we are from. So, yeah. um, you know, I was, I, I, it was opportunistic. I got to play on great club teams growing up in Southern California, got to travel and play in Europe at age 10, you know, stay with different families. And um, my high school had a, a very good team. So I was fortunate to be able to play for that. And, um, you know, a couple, two or three state championships and then go play at UC Santa Barbara. And then, it wasn't really until college that just soccer took off for me. And that was my only, you know, true love and true sport. Absolutely. And I'm just, you know, going through and, and looking in your background now, like your playing time, I it just now dawned upon me that my daughter has your picture on a poster in her room. Oh boy. 
from the the 91 championship okay yeah well what, what, there was you know the film was different back then <laughs> it could be developed and it was more of a process but that's good 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 cool. friend of mine uh had sent a poster um that she had of it and uh lily and mia had signed it um and then sent it on to my daughter this last summer uh for her to put with her soccer posters and now okay like now i'm gonna have to mail this poster for, to you so you can sign it yeah that's excellent i will absolutely do that for you sweet 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 uh so you know i we we always you know nick talked about we we put people over but how not too many people can say that they are the very first world cup international cup we're going to call it the world cup because essentially that's what it is golden ball recipient like i nick i think you're right like this may be the most highest playing person that we've had on on our on our show We've never had a golden ball winner. Like me and Sean weren't even golden ball winners on our own teams, like in high school yeah. and college. So there's, uh, there's, there's levels here that, that, we're, that we're working with right now. <laughs> you know, that tournament was so much fun because we were so young and so naive and it was brand new and we had no soccer culture in the United States and our, our team had no idea what to expect. And, you know, we waltzed in there thinking we're going to win. And nobody believed us. Everybody thought it was ridiculous. You know, we European teams coming off a European championship and we didn't know any of that stuff existed. We didn't know there was wards. I didn't know there was any wards at the end of it. I, you know, we just went there to play soccer and, and enjoy each other. And we love the game. We love what we were doing. And, you know, we just really just kind of focused on winning and doing our thing. Was there a point like, go ahead, Nick. Oh no, sorry. One of the things I was always curious about that, cause I, I, it was, I think it was, it might've been Anson Duran's biography um, when they were talking about how you guys used to have to train back in the day. Cause you guys didn't get to get together very much. Right. Like you guys were essentially like when you were doing your training, you were kind of all by yourself, which is really reflective of what everyone's kind of going through right now as players and as coaches and stuff like that. So like, what was it like for you guys back then to, have very limited training camp, very limited time together before you would go to these big tournaments and play. Well, it was all we knew. So it wasn't, you know, a hardship on us because that's just the way it was. And we were super thrilled and fortunate. We got to do anything, play anywhere and go to these major tournaments. So um, it, it was difficult. Uh, I tell my Navy team all the time and they can't believe it um, when we're running a fitness that basically with the national team, we would fly in. So I vividly remember, um, a training camp at Rutgers uh, before going over to Europe. So I had to fly from LA to Jersey, get off the airplane, go to a field and run a fitness test. And if you did not pass that fitness test, uh, you would get driven back to the airport and you went home. He actually told that story the other day on uh, his like talk on the, uh, I, I keep, Sean, what's it called? I keep saying, I keep saying it incorrectly. The thing that's going on this week with all the coaches. The summit? Summit, whatever it is. What is it though? Like, what's the? Oh, the America Scores. America Scores, whatever that is. Uh, Anson, it's a, it's a company that's putting on the summit for the next <laughs> week and a half. I'm sorry for insulting anyone from America Scores. That was not an insult. I I've watched like a bunch of your things, and you're great. Um, but the, he was talking about that. That like literally the first training camp, they they had a player not pass, and they drove her back to the airport and sent her home. Yeah, they were pretty adamant, but you know that was part of our culture and and part of what we did and it, the type of player and person you had to be was take that upon yourself. And I know that all of us, we were 
so afraid to let anyone else down and to get there and not be able to pass those tests. So everybody did the work. And I do remember one test. I was uh, running, it was cones. So, you know, your basic shuttles, uh, five yards and back, and they're all timed. And, the, and they, it was a very hard fitness test. And I was running and Mia was next to me and Megan McCarthy was on the other side of her. And like on number seven, literally she passed out. And we're like, Medic, come on in. And we got right back on the line. We weren't stopping because we finished that fitness test. And it didn't even dawn on us. Maybe, maybe this is a health concern. Nah. Get her off and let's keep going. So, yep, that's, that's the way we rolled in those days. I, I do have some inside sources that you had a pretty interesting nickname as a player um, due to being a little bit lankier and, and having some limbs that would do different things. Uh, can you elaborate on that nickname for us a little bit? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I do I, have some inside sources that may or may have spilled uh, your nickname from uh, being a player. Actually, it, it's not. It, it's pretty popular and, and pretty well known, but, and I'm sure you're, uh, you're, uh, you're talking about Gumby, correct? Correct, correct. Gumby. Yep. I was actually on a call with um, my team and some of our, we have Navy, we have officer reps, so officers that help with the teams and stuff. And and um, and and Captain Carlson, she's a Marine Corps officer, and she actually said, um, you know, guys, we really need to semper Gumby here. And I just stopped in my tracks. I'm like, I've never heard that. And it basically means always flexible. You know, the big Marine Corps motto is Semperfy, which was yeah. always faithful. It means always flexible. And that's, that's what we're in right now is, is a Semper Gumby state. So I was pretty excited. And I asked my players, do any of you have any idea who Gumby is or what that's from? Because there's no way they had any idea. No. So you, you were born for this moment then. Little did you know that that name would come back and show just how amazing you are at this moment in time. I was born for the pandemic and being quarantined. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot of us look at it. Thanks. <laughs> I, I think, I think a lot of us are thinking that, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have animals or not, but my dog is definitely like, I'm very, very used to this, uh, of you all being home. Um, yes. what I was going to ask was because obviously having a daughter, uh, who plays and, and just a big, uh, you know, the whole uh, girl dad and an advocate for, for women's sports and things like that. Was there ever a moment during that, maybe it was that training or maybe it was, maybe it was the first game, but was there something that maybe you yourself or maybe as a team kind of thought like, so, this is, this is going to be the start of something. And because I, I feel like you, no one ever really says that, but you may feel like when you're playing, like, Hey, I think this is going to get something, get something started. It was really hard because you, you have to understand there was no social media and yeah. no print media covered us. So there was nobody out there, you know, following us or writing us about us in general. Um, since I was dating at the time and then eventually married, uh, you know, a professional soccer player and moving in his world, there were a lot of Europe, male European players in his world. So they were all well aware of what we were doing, but other people just, it just wasn't out there. So honestly, for me, there was one really defining moment. Um, and it wasn't until 1996. And you may not realize this, but our gold medal game in the 96 Olympics, the game was not on TV. Yeah. They only flipped the channel to us after we won and we had received our medal. So we, that game was not even televised. Um, but for me, it was a defining moment because that was, you know, Mia had just signed her Nike contracts and had done the Perk commercial and all these new Nike things. And, and she was becoming the face of our team and people were starting to take notice. 
Um, and basically for, for, for the Olympic games, we were, we were in Athens, we were not in Atlanta and a lot of teams when they played the next day, didn't go to opening ceremonies. Um, but our two captains, Carla and, and Julie said to our coach, you know, Tony, we want to be there. If we're going to be in the Olympics, we're going to do the whole thing. So you know, soccer, you know, they arranged a jet and they brought us up to Atlanta and we did the opening ceremonies. And the way they worked is, you know, they built that brand new Olympic stadium next to an old stadium in Atlanta. And so all the athletes were housed in the older stadium and you were there for many, many hours. And then as your country went in, you know, you, you, you marched as a country into the other stadium where all you know, they sold the tickets. That's where opening ceremonies was. Um, and to me, it's a huge memory for me being in that other stadium. So here you are with every Olympian, every country in one place, free to talk and meet people. And it, it, it was pretty unbelievable. And just to meet the other American athletes for me was pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. But the defining moment was, you know, they give you a time, get ready, put on your really pretty parade outfit. And um, you're going to hop on any buses from the Olympic Village over the stadium. So we all were in our dorm, but we all kind of got separated because there's you know, thousands of athletes going over there. And so I hopped on a bus and I believe I was with Carla Overbeck and Julie Foudy. And we were sitting there and all the gymnasts were on our bus, the Carrie Struggs. And, you know, they wanted. Oh, to that would be sweet. So they want junior gold. high Sean is like so jealous of you right now. Dominic Musciano, all them like yes, yes. And one of them said, "Oh look, there's that women's soccer player." When Mia walked by, <laughs> and to me that was the moment. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, people know who we are. People know about our sport." And of course, she was the face of our team, and we weren't all you know posted all over like she was, like Mia was at that time, but. It, it was a defining moment for women's soccer because, you know, we'd already been world champions. We'd, we'd won a world championship, which to any soccer player, that is bigger than an Olympic medal. Yeah. It's not more important, but it is a bigger event. And nobody knew that and nobody cared. But now we're in Olympic Games in the United States and someone recognized, you know, uh, our, our most important player. So that was a defining moment for me when I think, you know, women's soccer was going to change. Wow. Like for you, like even as you continued like past that, like, do you think um, like, obviously, you know, them recognizing Mia, was there a point where you thought, okay, like, Hey, if this keeps going on, this trend keeps continuing and, and we do keep playing and it, maybe we start getting this media attention, you know, was there, did you ever think it would get um, almost to the point to where it is now with the, with the women's national team? I never dreamed it would get where it is now to, to have every game televised and, and, to have little girls and little boys emulate and look up to the icons on our women's national team now. And, you know, to, to think of all the medals, I, I believe we, we now have four world championships and three yeah. Olympic medals, right? I mean, it's astounding the culture and just to be a small part of that and a, a small part of the stepping stone to where that program's come. I, I, I feel so honored. It's some incredible people and, no, I don't think anyone could have dreamed this because you're talking to a person that that I went outside and played sports with the boys and everyone thought I was crazy. And I would go to school during the day and people would say, you're that soccer player? And I'd say, heck no, because it was weird. People didn't want female athletes and I wanted to be popular. And being popular was not being a female athlete. So nowadays you're celebrated. For me, you know, there was barriers that that, that aren't there. And uh, that aren't weren't there um, and aren't there now. So 
it's just, I can't be more thankful. And it's really, t our, our women's national team program and everyone that's been a part of it has been exceptional because they've all been part of a big cultural shift and it's changed sports around the globe. And, and I think it's phenomenal. And that team to go out in that last, last World Cup with the pressure they had in all of the, the social media, positive and negative and all they went through, you know, it takes a perfect storm to win a world championship. You're talking everybody healthy, um, you know, just, just illness wise and physically and the coaches making the right decisions and everybody making the bus and bringing the right and left shoot of the game. There's so many little moving parts and every one of those parts fell together. And what an exceptional feat because they were going to win that from day one. And, and just the, what they've given to young female athletes, I think is phenomenal. Are you now the most popular person at class reunions? I haven't been to a class reunion. Is that terrible? <laughs> no way. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yeah. Yeah, because like I, if I, if kids they didn't think I was cool back in the day because I was a soccer player, no, they, I'd they thought she was cool. She didn't admit to it. They, no, they thought she was cool. She just didn't admit to being a soccer they player. They thought I was cool. Oh, okay. You know, I grew up in LA, and I just I'm really far away, and it's always things are always during my season, and and I I consider myself a players coach. Every every decision I make is based on players first and I just it, it's hard but yeah little do you know that, that when you go back to that uh when you go to that first reunion you're going to be the most popular person there do you know how old I am I don't know if there's going to be any <laughs> <laughs> you don't on, look man. it at all for yeah. anyone that is, to, to, to my reunion I look older than that you is not seeing the screen she does not even look remotely old like she looks like me and Sean's age so like don't let I, her fool I'm the you. oldest looking in the room <laughs> don't let her fool you at all you are still but, both this is great <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are available for uh, any bookings and, and meetings where you need uh, you need confidence or whatever we're there for you okay um, but yeah, one of the things that I think has always been cool about the, and we will definitely get to the Navy stuff soon, but one of the things I want to touch on before we, we promise like, we'll actually talk about coaching at some we point. We will talk about coaching at some point, but this is so cool for us, obviously. Um, one of the things I love from the women's national team that I think you guys have always done a good job, at least in my memory, is how involved and supportive you are after you're gone. Like once players retire, it doesn't seem like they're out of the limelight. And they, it's, it seems like they're very much like, still fighting the good fight and trying to support the players out. What was it like after you? Cause you retired in the, like right after the Olympics, right? It was pretty soon after. Cause you coached and played simultaneously for a little bit. Yes. Um, what was it like after you, like after you retired and were like watching that next group go through, what were some of the things that you were still trying to fight for and work for to help that group to even push the next bound, to push the next bound to get it where it is today? That's an interesting question because, quite honestly, I was wrapped up chasing young children for the next couple of years. So my focus wasn't entirely on that. Um, I, I'm always a believer in giving back, and I'm sure you guys are fully aware that, you know, Mia Hamm is one of the three founding members, members of Athletes for Hope. Have you heard of that foundation? Yep. And that's just about giving back. And, and they believe that not every athlete has the means to be able to always give back, but you know, it's an honor to be, be able to give back to others. And, and the life lessons I have learned through team sports and being a part of what I was, you know, honored to be a part of and having the teammates I got to grow up with and, and see what they gave of themselves has been astonishing. So um, 
it, it, it's part of being an athlete, in my opinion, is giving back. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I found myself at the Naval Academy as well after my playing career is that, you know, I, I coach kids that their major values are selflessness and service and they want to give back and, and that's all they do. And they don't, they do it willingly and all the time, not just, you know, in passing. So um, I've done many, many things and I, I haven't been with U.S. soccer. I guess I was, I was the head of the technical committee for, maybe a decade or so. And it wasn't really big back then. And we didn't have to do a lot, but, um, and I ran training centers. So U.S. Soccer Development Academy and U.S. Soccer Training Centers for many, many years. Um, and I coached with some of the youth teams and would go in and help different, di different youth national teams and different programs. But that was really all I did with the, with the national teams. I didn't have a big um, showing with them, but a lot of my teammates played for many, many years after that. Like the, like the 99 World Cup, I went to every game. I was going to be there with my kids in tow. So um, I, I just still supported it and love it and believed in it. And you know, they, they always make you feel a part. Even now, I, you know, they did that reunion last summer and uh, they make you feel like you're always a part of that program. Even when you're done and you graduated and you're as far away from it as I am, I still feel they, they include people and they include us all. And, that, and that's super important. So um, you know, they're all walking the walk and they've taken over and they've run with it. And it was seamless every time new players come in and they give back. And I think it's super important. And it's part of being, you know, an elite athlete or, or frankly, any athlete is giving back to your community. Who was your favorite teammate? Like My, on the national team? Oh gosh, there's no way I could answer that. You're kidding? <laughs> Can you give us like a top three? I, no, I can't even <laughs> do that. I mean, the ones I've remained closest with for sure um, Christine Lilly, Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Carla Overbeck, Brandy Chastain, probably. Your team, versus, your team versus the last World Cup team. Who wins? <laughs> oh. 91, 91 versus 2019. Who wins? I still and not think currently. When you, when you, you guys in your prime, who wins? I know I'm not better now. That's, you know, that's a good point. I got better when I stopped playing and I started coaching. So In my mind, I'm better. Yeah. And you and you know you know the game so much more than they do because you've been coaching. <laughs> I give you guys, I give you the edge. Would you ever bet against Michelle Akers on any team? Would you ever? No. I don't know. Like that squad, like the engine on Christine Lilly too, like Julie Foudy, because Julie Foudy was running center mid back then, right? She was, yeah. Yeah, like you, like the group that you got. I don't know. It's like you have like Mia Ham on the wing back then. Like you have like Akers up top, like like. Friggin' ham on the wing back. I don't know. It's like I don't know if you can bet against that spot. I look. I look at it this way. I won't. I. I hate doing the whole like the '96 Bulls versus whatever team LeBron's on because I'm just like, a Jordan's the goat. And it's never going to change. I understand that the athletes now are a lot different than that time period, but in this one, I, I just I love this last team with all my heart. I, they were one of the best teams I've ever seen play any sport uh, in the last 35 years. But I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the confidence from you, and I'm really enjoying it because I feel like that confidence uh, is shared by the entire group that you played with. Uh, and I think I'm going to go with the 91 group. I, I'm not betting against Michelle Akers. I'm with her there. Like, especially that era of Michelle Akers. Like, people remember, like, the 99 Michelle Akers that was, like, had, like, migraine stuff and hurt back and everything. Like, this was the one that, like, just torched through everyone that, like, was even remotely close to her. She would like Walter Payton them. She would go and like bump them just because she wanted to. 
Joy Fawcett, most underrated national team player there is. Probably, yeah. in my opinion, the most well-rounded, best U.S. national team player, period. Sick PK, too. She buried that PK. That didn't bother her. She, she'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you officially saying that 91 over, over 2019? I'm not officially saying anything because I'm smart enough to be diplomatic. You know, you just have to nod your head and Nick and I will say it for you. But I will say the teams are completely different. The styles are yeah. different. And it is a tough one. Just like people always say, who's better, you or me or Michelle? And none of us were alike at all. Even yeah. though we play in the same line, we were so incredibly different. So, you know, it's up to the coach to put the right people in in the right time um, that, that, you know, you find their strengths and they play together. And uh, I'm with you on this last team. They're, I knew they were going to win. Whoever yeah. had them in any moment. And it didn't matter which player stepped up and didn't matter, you know, the scene, the, the, the fans, the – that opponent this team was going to win. And I love that. I love that. And I think just like just recently getting to, to hang out with Jill Ellis for a little bit and, and hear like, you know, some of her stories from the lead up to the world cup just made me like even more like love this team and, and that program even more to where hearing like going to the Olympics, Hey, like we're going to change something. But if, if it's not successful, that doesn't mean in 2019, it's not going to be successful. Like we need to throw some of these young players in it and things like that. And I, you know, like, you know, my wife was not a soccer person and the, um, 2014 world cup or 2015 world cup. Um, she just was like into it every single U S game. It was just like, I'm loving this team. I love this team. This 2019 team, I think is what took her heart. Um, mm -hmm. cause I just remember her, like I was traveling around for, I actually remember the France game. I was in LA for camp. Um, and like in the middle of my game, like I'm getting texts from my wife, like, Oh my gosh, you know, Megan scored five minutes in the game. Oh, and, you know, just going on, going on. Uh, and I think that this team kind of, well, I think like, if you look like the 99 team, cause obviously I think the 99 team was very impactful in soccer in general, cause youth soccer jumped up 400% in population after the 99 world cup. But I feel like just because of the, the social media effect or just the, the communication effect, but this 2019 team is something that, I mean, 40, 50 years from now is still going to be talked about one of the greatest units of any athletic competition ever. I have incredible respect for Jill Ellis because what she changed was the, was the culture uh, and they supported each other. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes in team sports. And every one of them put that team above themselves. And that's what created that you know, that, that difference, it was a difference maker. And I think Abby Wambach had a hand in that yeah. because the way she led the previous world cup, the way, you know, um, my daughter got hurt, um, you know, in high school and I had her listen to a few of Abby Wambach's stuff. And, and the thing that resonated is don't call yourself a leader on the field. If you don't call yourself a leader from the bench and yeah. how many people can you say that about and how many were one of the best in the world when they were on the field, that, that can say they did what she did. So I think Abby had a huge hand in showing people this is how it has to be. And we'll, we'll finally, halfway through, we'll finally now get into your actual coaching uh, experience. Um, something that I, this has kind of popped in my mind is uh, like with my team. So I just took over my uh, college team four weeks ago. I couldn't have picked better timing uh, to get going on this. And something that I'm really stressing uh, to our female players is competition from with it. And I, and I know that um, obviously with, with Navy, everything's a competitive environment. 
Um, and I know that even with the national program, everything's competitive because, you know, you've got to make yourself better, which in turn is making the person across from you better. What is some of those, those, those competitive, comp- competitiveness, ugh, I never can say that word, competitiveness uh, from within that you've taken from your national team experience that you've put in at Navy uh, with, your, with your program? I think I'm lucky because of where I am. And, and you hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, people go to the Naval Academy because they want to give back. And the number one common thread between midshipmen is drive. So they're all exceptional in all areas. And, and the players I get, um, they don't want anything handed to them. And they don't want to be told why they're good they want to be told how to get better and they want to put in the work and they you know they always put team before themselves so i'm blessed in that regard look look who i'm working with um so i never had to push it too much but uh if you ask them they would say i mean i'm i am really hard on them i feel like every player would say that about every coach no like even nick's players would probably say he's like the biggest jerk ever and we all know that that is (laughs) not the case you're, you're, you're probably, you're, you're probably right on that one. Um, you know, they, I push them because I'm a believer in every day you can get better and the hard work makes you better in so many ways and the grit and the resilience and the effort and the things that working on the things you can control really make you a better person and player. And, uh, I push our kids and, you know, your buddy, Mike Melton, um, when he got in there, he'd say, you know what? Gosh, that was such a hard day yesterday. We need to just give them a rest and do this and that. And I'm like, Mike, I'm doing the hardest fitness we've done. He goes, today? And he would freak out. And I'm like, Mike, yes, maybe tomorrow too. And he couldn't believe it. Um, he thought I was kidding. He, he couldn't believe the way that we push these kids. And, you know, I get texts after training sessions from our players. Thank you that was the hardest thing I ever done. And I feel so good about myself. I mean, it's just the type of kid I get. So I'm really lucky to be where I am. And that's why I love where I coach. And that's why I've been there so long. Um, But it really, it takes, you know, just a lot of organization and a lot of energy. There are times I'm like, Rob, Mike, to my assistants, you've taken the session today because I just not super enthusiastic. And how do you expect that out of your players? How do you expect them to give everything they have and work and, and enthusiasm and push each other and do all the right things and make all the right choices if you're not doing the same thing. So um, you have to always want to be there. You have to love it. You have to love them. Um, You have to create this culture where they always want to win. And then once with girls and female athletes, once they step off the field, it's all over. Nobody takes that home and we move on and, you know, hold hands and skip back in the office. Yeah. Two questions I have, like a little bit veering from that, just from my own experience coming to the Naval Academy and getting a tour from Mike, what was your first impression when you went for your interview there? Because like, I don't know about you, like I was literally just sitting there like, like eyes about this big, no one can see me doing that because we're just an audio recording, but this is a podcast. This is a podcast. (laughs) Just to (laughs) reconfirm for everyone who's listening. <laughs> but um like you can ask Mike like when he was giving me my tour I think I was just like it, like honestly like smiling ear to ear because it's so much history and so much uh, of like just an incredible I mean the campus is it's beautiful the campus I've ever seen what was like your first impression of that like and kind of a follow-up to that then what was it like taking a club team at Naval Academy and being like making it a full-time program 
Well, I walked into that interview very unprepared. Um, but, you know, this was 27 years ago. So things Turned out all right for you. Uh, I'm still there. Um, it, I, you didn't prepare like you do now then, you know, and women's sports were up and coming and people, you know, colleges were adding different sports. And so it was a different time. And I was, you know, after I graduated college, I had a few jobs and I kept getting fired because I'd leave the national team and travel and come back. And I, I guess you can't do that with other jobs. I had no idea. Um, and I keep going back in and they, they tell me they didn't need me anymore. So trying to think, what can I do and still play? Because that's my first love. And, you know, my I hadn't met my husband. Uh, well, I met him, but we hadn't been married yet. And, and he, he was the same. You know, you got to do what you love. You got to pursue what you want to do. And we'll you figure out the finances. Um, so we, uh, I got there and I did this interview. And there were, it was a table of 12, one of those big tables. And they all had, you know, the, the, summer whites on with all their medals and everything and i was not someone who'd grown up with the military knew much about it so you know i walked in there sat down and i was mortified i was so intimidated i knew nothing i knew nothing about the military i didn't do my homework um but um you guys probably do not know this but the ad at that at that time that hired me was jack langle jack langle was the ad at marshall after the yeah. very tragic football airplane crash so he was my boss and um i had great conversations with him um you know i i really wanted to do it i was really enthralled with the whole atmosphere there i remember saying you know how do you feel about my playing career and is it frowned upon if i work out while at work and you know they're laughing they're like you you wouldn't look right at the Naval Academy if you're not working out. Take a look around. That's that's part of the culture. So um, it was really a perfect fit. And uh, Jim and I hadn't lived anywhere more than like a year and a half. And I went home from that interview and I said, you know, Jim, something's telling me I have to take this. This is perfect. But they said I had to sign a three-year contract. <laughs> what am I going to do? Three years, that's forever. And yeah, sure enough, it's been a little more than three years. And I'm still very, very happy. And I love I've loved every minute of working there. That's awesome. What was like with starting the program, what was the biggest initial difficulties? At that point, I can't tell you the exact percentage of female midshipmen, but I think it was around 17%. So just getting athletes in and, and, you know, I'd never coached. I was a, still an athlete. I graduated college. I was playing on the national team. I'd never coached. I had no idea what to do. So I had to go out and start recruiting and I had to learn from scratch and uh, it was an experience for me. And then a year and a half in, you know, I hired um, associate head coach Rob Blank and he'd been in the business and he's got two masters and he's, he's just a smart, very organized guy. And he helped me get the ins and outs of what we need to do. Oh, we need a database. I need to be marking down kids and recruiting. And I was clueless because I was still a player at heart and trying to transition into coaching and I'm still leaving for the national team here or there. And I even have to leave him. You know, I went to residency for the 95 World Cup and the 96 Olympics and left Rob for six months and went down and had to live in Florida. And, you know, it took a while for us to get into a bit of a rhythm. So, um, but we work with the best, the staff, you know, the midshipmen, everybody there and everybody is – you know, people ask me all the time, why, why have you been there so long? There's other opportunities. Have you had other opportunities? And I think my thought is that just the, the quality of the people I surround myself with there and 
the drive. It, it, I think that I, I, the way all the midshipmen are, my players resonates with me. It's how I always wanted to be. And I hope that I am, you know, and I, I respect them. And it's funny because they think they're really great kids and they talk so much about us as a staff and every day we're there talking about them and how much respect we have for them. I think my favorite part about the thing, like, and there was a lot of favorite parts about when I went to Navy, but was talking to your players after they were not like in like the middle of like a, like where they have to be professional. You know, like it was funny. Cause like we got them off and it was just like, it like, I forget who she, she was an Asian player on your team. Really good player. I, I don't, I wish I remember the name off the top of my head, but we were talking to her like near your guys' offices and stuff. And she was kind of away and she's like, yeah, bro. Like my classes were like just whack today or whatever. And it was just like, so funny. You're like, Oh man, these are just kids. Like you see them walk around like in arms, nine degree angle, not using cell phone chins up, like all the things that they have to do to walk just in between classes. And then you get them away from that. And they're just, they're kids just like every single one that we have just at a very intense level of intelligence, organization, everything that comes with it. But they're, they're still kids, which is, was so cool to see. Yep, they, they truly are. They're goofy and they, they do the same things. And you get them off campus and they let their hair down and put on what we call civvies, what uh, we as a Naval Academy, they put on normal clothes and you would not know they're Naval Academy students at all. You, would, you wouldn't even know. They're the same people. That's awesome. Like what's been like, and you, you've talked about it a little bit, but like if you were to give yourself at that time back in 94, 95, when you started up a piece of advice that you know now, what would it be? When I started up coaching? Yes. Like, so if you like were able to give yourself advice, like now knowing what you know now to how, where were you, 20, 26 at the time, 27? Yeah. Yeah. 20. What would the advice 20. be? 93. Yeah. 14, please. 14. 14. Um, I think it would be to really focus on forming the meaningful relationships because and maybe it's changed, you know, coaching's changed. When, when I first started, it was, it was more of the uh, rough and tumble. I'm in charge. This is my way of doing it. You do it my way or you're out. And the kids responded to that and they worked and they pushed. And now the leadership's different and you know, your players want to know what's going on and have a hand in what's an essay and the leadership and the decisions. And that's all great. Um, so the game's changed, but I think, you know, I was so busy worrying about coaching and figuring out how to teach them how to play and things that I really didn't know. Um, and I was in and out with the national team that I don't know that I formed the meaningful relationships in the early years that, that I have now. And now I feel like I truly know every player, um, really well and, and hopefully, um, you know, can be a mentor for them in many different ways. Who were some of your coaching mentors? Well, Anson Lawrence, of course, um, and Tony DeChico, of course. Uh, and, and I didn't have many, quite honestly. You know, I had two or three growing up with club. Brian Boswell was a club coach of mine um, that was very important in my development. And I had a coach named Bill Merrill that passed away in my earlier years of the national team who really, Anson says his, when he talked to Anson about me, that was the reason I, I got a chance at the national team. So I owe a lot to him and I loved him dearly. So I just, I didn't have that many coaches throughout my career. Yeah. Like for you, like what has been the coolest thing about like 
watching like this is where it's probably different for you than it might be for a lot of coaches around the country because you have players move on and like go into like really intense positions like right away what's been like some of the cooler experiences you've had graduating players and like watching them go into like their professional lives they're all cool it's so special um you know we have a 95 no that would be wrong a 99 grad nicole anapu man who is currently in houston and she's an astronaut and she's going to man the next boeing aircraft um you know to the moon to the international space station so uh that's you know unique and different and um she's you know she was a fighter pilot marine corps she got a graduate degree at stanford um class of 95 amy mcgrath is running uh in Kentucky right now so she oh you know Amy uh, I coached her yeah what I did not I yeah I, I told not you I was old. no 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 I'm not saying that I'm just like you know just from seeing like so I live in southern Indiana and I coach in Kentucky so like I see a lot mm-hmm. of like stuff about her and I don't recall seeing anything that she talks about soccer it's just about her time uh, in the, in the, in the forces and, and how that's led her into her leadership role now, but now I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna have to hit her up big, yo, let's, let's talk some soccer. What's, what's, why are you not talking, why are you not talking about that? Yeah. She has a couple ads in the beginning that were soccer that were, that were pretty good. So, um, you know, so it's pretty special what she's done, and, but we've got pilots and helicopter pilots and Marine Corps and submarines and, and people stationed all over the world and graduate degrees and, they're all extremely special in what they do. Um, and then some that just, you know, have have served their five and raised families and are excellent at it. And they're, they're just really special people. They're so smart and they're so diverse and they want to do so much. And during all that, they want to make sure they're giving back to them, to America, you know? So it, I respect them all really much, a whole lot. That's yeah. To, to switch gears a little bit, um, have you jumped off the platform that the graduates have to jump off of yet? Believe it or not, I haven't. The 10 meter, I've never done it. I, why not yet? You've been there for like 25, 26 years. You're right. I don't know. I guess in my playing days, I was afraid. I don't know. There's, I have no excuse. If you ever retire, that better be like your last day of the thing is jumping off the 10 meter. That's how you announce it like on Twitter and everything. Right? <laughs> Just by the way, I'm out. Now I'm going to jump. Well, you know, as you get to be more senior like I am, I think that, that my goal now is I'm going to make Mike do it. Ooh. Oh, you better make Mike better. Like that should be your preseason next year. Okay. You got it. You got it. Put a GoPro on his head. He's going to scream like a little girl. Oh, dude. I know. I That's why like we need girl. this. <laughs> I'm definitely afraid of heights. I would not do that. Uh, is, is, it's high, and then the, the pool's 15 feet, so you're looking at the, the end and the bottom. 80 feet down. <laughs> yeah, and there's a specific style you have to do it. it yeah. There's injuries. Are, are, has, are there any things that your athletes have to do for the Navy that, like, maybe it's a fitness thing or, or just something that you've – in your time have like, yeah, like, you know what, I'll give that a shot and like do it along with them. Yeah. I've done a few things in my earlier years, you know, right before the 96. So like three years ago, right? Yeah, exactly. When I was 14. Yeah. Um, Right before the Olympics, I started doing different things. My husband and I were doing them with a specific company because I met a few officers I really liked and they asked me to come out and, and learn how to repel. 
and you know shoot pistol and rifles and the pistol and rifle i i was terrible i turned around with a gun in my hands and pointed at people i mean it was <laughs> awful um and then they put they put my poster at the end on the target range that's what i was, I was shooting at so it's kind of fun but then i went out and they do they were teaching it was just a, more of a midshipman bonding it's a company bonding and it's called saturday morning training and we went out to this fire station and we went, learned to repel and it was awesome. But then all the midshipmen started calling me G.I. Jane because that, oh. that movie was about to come out. So God, yeah. I realized I better, you know, kind of keep my distance and, and, and not embarrass myself like that. <laughs> I, there were just so many cool traditions with the Navy. Like I loved, I, I don't remember what it's called, but like even like the, the one where they put the hat on the top of the statue and they like grease it down and all the freshmen have to like try to go get the hat off the top of the statue. And it turns into like an eight-hour viewing event for the local public. Yep, that's outstanding. What was that? What's that one called again? Do you know? It's I don't remember. Herndon, because it's on top of the Herndon Monument. But you got to call it a cover. In military, do not call it a hat. Okay, my bad. This is again. Oh, I'm offending on, a lot of people in that. This is on me. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, you, you know? Just anybody who's looking at it kind of from the beginning of your time there. You know, two and five in your first season to all the the awards that your team has won that you've won to now, what's been probably if there was a moment that, um, you know, there, there's some coach who, who, who all of a sudden, you know, you become their mentor and you say, okay, here's, we're going to watch this season. What's a season that you would pick uh, from just the couple that you have um, that you would say, Hey, you know, this is the one, because obviously you're proud of every player you've coached. You're proud of every team that you, you've been a part of. Is there a is there a season specifically where it was like, here's where we made the turnaround, or here's where things started getting really good? You'd have to call Coach Rob Blank because anyone that knows me knows math and numbers not my thing, um, and it's hard for me to even figure out the years. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was probably '99, and it was the first year that um, we beat Army and the first year that we they won the Patriot League and won the tournament and everything. So, um, but you're right. We got better. We got better all the time. The soccer, the soccer has changed so much in, in the last 25 years as well. So um, the game's changed and everybody's gotten better and everyone's improved, but uh, we, we, it, it's those classes that had that grit and those classes that, you know, it's not always your best teams that win in the big moments. Yeah. It's those teams that just have that heart and that drive and that passion and refuse to lose. And, and those are the teams that really that have done the best. And we actually did had that team last season. Our, our um, 20, uh, 20 graduating class just had that heart and that drive. And I knew this was going to be our year because, you know, we had trouble scoring goals early on and we had trouble. We were missing this or that piece. We had a lot of freshmen playing a lot. They were just getting acclimated to us in the Naval Academy and division one soccer, but our seniors were never ever going to think that we were going to lose games. They, they were always in it and they pushed to make that happen. And that was just, you know, a tribute to them. They deserved to win last year. What I mean, uh, we got them. Oh, you go, I was just gonna no, say we got you to go ahead. You no, go ahead. I was just gonna say we got to meet one of them, and she was incredible. Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. So you bring it up first, Nick. Go ahead. I, I that was all I was gonna contribute. To that <laughs> Another question. What you know for for your players? You know, obviously it's different with Navy because, like Nick brought up, that you've got players that are going on to things significantly bigger and better than soccer ever will be. So for you as a coach, because I know like. 
you know, uh, more coaches are in that same situation. Not too many coaches that they're constantly putting out players who are going to play professionally. We're all a majority of us, 95% of us are probably putting out players who are going to go on and do something uh, else other than soccer when they're done. So for you, what is that, that moment like? So having someone uh, like Alex that we met, or you do have a player who ends up uh, going on to the professional ranks, uh, you know, how much of that do you kind of, obviously with every player that you coach with, you're going to have a relationship with it, but maybe those ones who do go that next level say, okay, hey, here, when you get to this point, do this, do this, do this. Because I, I feel like some of them you may see like, maybe the, the Navy's not what they do or, or, you know, some type of officer job is not what they're going to do uh, post-school. Um, so what's kind of for you, like that transition of going from the players who are playing well, but you know, they're moving on to bigger and better things, but then also having those players who may go on to play professionally when their time's done at Navy. So I'm not following your question. So like it, for you having players um, who you know, obviously are going on to bigger and better things when their, their time is done in the four years with you. What is that transition like going from those players and then having your players on the team also who are there and they do have that chance to go play professionally? Um, so obviously because you, you the, the working with them on what that future is going to be like is a little bit different. So what is it kind of that, that transition for you working with those two types of players? Because like I said, majority of us, every player we work with, is going on to do some type of job after college soccer is over with. And then there are some coaches who every kid that they work with is going on to play professionally. So they have kind of just that, that one mindset. So for you, what is that transition like going between the two? Well, you know, Naval Camp is a leadership institution. So they, we actually have um, character and ethics and leadership classes that these kids have to take. So it's kind of a part of their schooling. And as they go through it, they all, um, come for different reasons. It's, we're very diverse and, and our team alone comes from all over, all over the country. And we've, we've, you know, encompassed almost every state and they're all very diverse in their backgrounds. But as they go through the years of the academy and they sort of, sort of kind of decide what they are truly interested in, hone in on what they want to do and they graduate, they get super focused on that. So even take Alex, for instance, um, if that chance arises and she's able to play professionally, what a great opportunity. But she also knows eventually she wants to be a Marine Corps officer. So she does want to do both. And you don't really graduate there without really, really having that strong desire to go into what you've chosen to do. So um, there's really no big transition for us. Eventually they will be doing the military side. And, you know, President Trump did recently say that that the kids from the three military schools can play professional sports. So that's something in the works. And we've had players go. Um, uh, Greenspan is a player from our men's team that, that got drafted in the MLS. And he graduated the same year as Keenan Reynolds from our football team. So they were both released and, and did reserve work and played professionally. So the opportunities are there. Um, but as you guys are aware, there's very few spots to play professionally in the United States that league is exceptional and we have a lot of foreigners in here as well. So even the best college kids um, have to struggle to get a spot on those teams. So it's very hard. It's a, it's a very harsh reality that it's, it's extremely hard to make those teams. So um, Alex is an incredible player. You're talking about, you know, an almost six foot center back that can run a six minute mile and win every head ball Yet, you know, her character and leadership and the things that she's learned soccer, why her characteristics and values, aside from the soccer field and what she brings, it, it's, it, she's an incredible package. So um, these kids are, are 
are all learning all of this stuff, but it, it's rare that we have someone that's going to hit the level that is going to be able to play pro. If you me, were to take me and your, Sean were not picking a fight with her after we saw her in hell person. No. Yeah, I wouldn't. She's 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 trained in weaponry and self defense. So you know, didn't know that. It wasn't something we were looking forward. Uh, that that wasn't a, a route we were going to go. She she'd be on our team though. We we try to get her on our team if we ever needed to go fight someone else. But now, now knowing what she's trained in, then yes, yeah. she absolutely is on our team. She may be the captain. <laughs> she's the captain. <laughs> she's absolutely the captain. Our country's in good hands. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. If uh if if you were to look at your coaching philosophy. And, and be able to describe it with a song. What song <laughs> would that coaching philosophy be? Oh, my goodness. That is the toughest question I've ever had. You know what? Uh, I'm a, I'm, I take a lot of pride that you just said that. Okay, because I don't even know if I have an answer for you. Well, first of all, I can't answer any of the songs my kids listen to because they're awful. And, <laughs> and then I'm going to go back to 70s music and people aren't going to have no respect. Mike won't even go in my car because my, you know, my 70s and 80s comes out. So... I'm going to have to think about that when I get back to you. I don't know if I have a okay. good, good answer. I am going to flip through my phone and see some of my calls. Like I'm th- so you, since you just said about 70s and 80s, there's got to be some like journey song that when you think of, when you like hear the lyrics, you're just like, yeah, like that's me when I'm coaching. I know every journey song. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not denying that. Bob um, Seger. Bob Seger's a good one. Okay. Another question. I'm currently in the process of planning my wedding and I one of the responsibilities I got was which is one of like the two responsibilities I got is I get to do the playlist what's one song I need to play at my wedding on a playlist a serious song or, or am I allowed oh, to be no. you, you have the whole spectrum because we're doing dinner playlist too so even if you want like a dinner playlist song we have like the whole six hours of the wedding is gonna have music it's six hours and there's seven thousand people attending there is not. There's our seven thirty on our invite list right now. So almost a thousand people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I'm a huge REM fan, but that's not very good for weddings. Um, I'm thinking maybe something like Better Things, The Kinks. Okay, I'm gonna have to check this out. Um, I could play it for you right now. Nick, oh. Nick listens to more of the same music that your children listen to. <laughs> that's not true. I'm very '90s, 2000 baby. If it's not Avril Lavigne or a boy band, I'm going to guess you don't know it that well. Or 90s hip hop, but yes, all those things. <laughs> REM, like, is, REM is neither one of those three. You literally just went through my entire like spectrum of karaoke. <laughs> Avril Lavigne, boy bands, 90s hip hop. Those are all three of my karaokes. Wherever you, were go- you will go, that'd be a good one at the wedding, the calling. Oh, God, I forgot all about that song. That's a great song. That song makes me think of like early 2000s WB uh teenage drama shows i had that guy's haircut growing up like that the lead singer's <laughs> haircut that was my haircut or did he have your haircut that's probably true also what yeah. uh as, as we kind of get out of here what's been uh you know if there there's got to be some moment that in in your coaching time that you look back on it and every time you think about it you just crack up laughing even if no one's around you what is that moment Oh gosh. Um, there was a time maybe three years ago where when our players get injured, I usually go on the field with our trainer. You know, sometimes you get into these rhythms and that's what I do. So by the time I get off with the injured player and, and both of my assistants have subbed, um, we have 12 people on the field. So we're now playing a game with one man too many. 
And I'm looking at them like, what the heck are you guys doing? And they each put a sub on. And yeah, we had to flag the ref down and tell, um, sorry, but I think we have too many people. On the field. <laughs> that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. And with, with soccer chat, it's all about, we, you know, we've got this network of, of coaches from college to high school, to club, to youth leagues, um, adaptive coaches. And it's just, everybody's working together, trying to make the game better for our kids. And, and obviously we want to learn more as well. You know, is it okay, like, is there a way that if a coach is listening to this now and like they want to reach out to you, maybe it's about, um, maybe it's various sessions you may run or, or about what it's like coaching uh, at a place like Navy, uh, how would they be able to reach out to you? I'm always about giving back and, and I would encourage anyone to, you know, my, my emails on our website, the Naval Academy website, it's pretty easy. Gabera at usna.edu. Um, you know, our, our Twitter accounts, um, would be excellent. And it's our, our team one is Navy capital W soccer. Um, and my personal one is at Karen Gabera. So I'd be happy to, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anyone cause you know, I I'm with you. It's, it, it takes a village and, everybody has a different role and everybody's coaching different levels. And it's super important that everybody does their job, but everyone does what's in the best interest of the players. And that's what I truly believe in. And everybody, um, you know, it's different, whatever, whoever, whatever one's coaching the different, the different styles and everything. But um, I'd be happy to talk to anyone about anything and, and have any kind of chat. And Nick, what was the, the place that you guys went to eat at that Mike has his own sandwich? Oh, shoot. What was that place called? We were talking about we were talking about it yesterday when I was talking to Mike. The big cheese. The big cheese. It you was can I tell you one more Mike story? Oh, yeah, we will take tell, all the Mike yeah. Mountain stories you got. Yeah, you got a few hours. You can tell so, at least a few Mike stories. So our, our whole team, um, I mean, we talked about community service and our whole team believes in that. So um, we do honor flights. I don't know if you've ever heard of an honor flight. Nope. Yeah. Basically the airlines, um, pay for veterans. Uh, you know, it can be, um, World War II, Vietnam, Korean War, whatever. They have a whole flight devoted to veterans and they fly them to our area so they can go see their monuments in DC and it's all free and it's all paid for. And, um, so our players go when we, you know, we get a list of the honor flights and we go to the airport. And then our players in their whites, if it's, you know, the summer and their blues, if it's the winter, um, they, we go inside the airport and they line both sides of the gate as these veterans come out and they stand at attention and salute them the whole time. Um, and generally you've got, you know, hundreds of people in the airport that kind of see what's going on and they all watch and clap. It's a really neat moment for these vets. So um, the last time we did this, um, I noticed there's a guy there and he's, he's wearing like, like, um, the clothes you'd see, the people that work in Williamsburg, so the old outfits, um, and he was, uh, he, he knew just from the hat of the veteran, he could tell um, what war they were in, what division they were in, you know, what their job was. It was amazing to me, because I'm not that well versed in all that stuff, so someone would come out and he'd start talking to him and say, were you with this and th this division of this, and he flew, and it was really neat. I was super impressed, so Mike talks to everybody, as you're well aware. Yes. So Mike and I talked to him. He had his colonial outfit on. He wore his outfit from his job as a tour guide in downtown Annapolis. So we're like, you know, great. You're in Annapolis, whatever. So Mike runs into this guy in giving a tour to a group in downtown Annapolis in his colonial outfit. And Mike 
starts chatting. So next thing I know, we're warming up for a big game and in walks the tour guide in his colonial outfit into the Naval Academy to our game field to come stand at the fence to watch our game because Mike invited him to a game. So sure enough, he listened to Mike and he's standing there. I've been there 27 years. That Stuff like that doesn't happen, but with Mike, <laughs> it happens. I was really hoping that somehow that turned into Mike was wearing the colonial outfit um, and, and showing up to the game like that. We would have lost all our fans if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, no. Michael, Mike, Mike also said that the first session he ever ran for you guys was absolutely horrible. He said that he got in charge to run a session and he said that it was so bad and he was like, she's going to fire me today. Like on the spot, I don't have a job anymore. It, it, it did not run smoothly. We'll leave it at that. So the thought, the thought definitely was in her mind to make that happen. <laughs> no, no, his sizing just wasn't quite accurate. All good. How do you not like Mike? He's the friendliest person in the world. Yep. Yeah, Rob and I adore him. He's just a chatterbox. He's connected. He knows everyone. He loves to recruit. He loves to get out on the road. He's, he's, he's been huge for our program. Honestly, it was, it was, it was so cool for me because I'm very similar in terms of the, the chattiness. So like our tour, like we literally walked around for three hours. It was me, Mike, Ian, and Ian's assistant. And I'm fairly confident Ian and Ian's assistant did not say one word the entire time. Like, I think it was just me and Mike talk for three hours straight. Uh, there, there, yeah, there's days I've been at work since 8 a.m. and it's 7 p.m. And Mike's like, whoa, whoa, where are you going? Where are you going? Let's chat. Let's, let's have some fun. Sit down. Let's get to know each other. And I'm like, Michael, I've been here for 14 hours. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to hang out. We got to hang out. I'm, oh, my gosh. He is a ball of energy. He's absolutely incredible. So I, I think we may, I may have missed out. Do you have a go-to sandwich? At the Big Cheese. So I've never had a sandwich named after me. I love the Big Cheese, but I don't have a sandwich name. I'm not, I don't go in like Mike and just spend hours talking to people like this. <laughs> his barber goes to his house to chat to him. He, he is, he is a, 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 just a different kid. Is Mike the Big Cheese? Is Mike what? Is he the Big Cheese? No, you'd have to call the owner. They've, they've owned that store for many, many years. It's, I got, I got the Big Cheese. That was my sandwich. I don't remember. The Annapolitan's a big one, a good one too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for coming on here with us and, and taking some of your time uh, to chat with us and, and have a little fun, hopefully. Uh, and uh, we, we definitely would love to, uh, to have you on again. We definitely, we got to do, we, we've always wanted to do one with a full staff. And I feel like uh, it would allow us to get a group of people and just talk about Mike Melton for an entire hour uh, and just let him like, I think if we can make it to where he says like maybe five words introduces himself. Uh, and then the rest of the show, it's just you, your other assistants and Nick and myself. Um, I think that would be like, I think we would get like some type of like world record or something. If we could pull that off. Rob and I could definitely torment Mike. No <laughs> doubt about it. Well, I think that, I think that's a sign that we're, we're going to have to make this happen. Uh, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get the Navy staff on it and chat. But again, Karen, thank you so much for coming on with us uh, and chatting. We we thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the the most illustrious baller we've ever had on the show, uh, Karen. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. I appreciate you guys having me. So we haven't done a two-parter in a while. Like it's, yeah, it's that's true. We, we have not done a two-part show in a very long time. And in reality, Nick, we've only done one of those. We haven't done it more than once. But 
I think Karen might be the person we have to bring back for a two part. Cause I don't know about you, but I found myself in that, like we got to like 27, 30 minutes. And I was like, we've only been talking for five minutes. Right. Like it was like <laughs> one of those things where like time stood still. And I remember like looking at my clock and be like, we've been talking for 30 minutes. I swear we just started her story, but yeah. everything she said was so like, I could listen to her talking about like the early years of the women's national team for like hours days weeks yeah that's what that's what i was really interested in was was that like i just got i got hooked on and i couldn't i couldn't get out of it we, i feel like i felt we had to do our due diligence to like let her talk about all the awesome stuff she's doing in navy too like we can't like we couldn't like skip over that and just like fan fanboy the entire time and be like <laughs> tell us tell us about like what it was like winning the golden ball at the 91 world cup you know like how does how does it feel to be the first greatest player in women's soccer history uh, like how was it scoring a hat trick in the semifinals of the first World Cup? Like everyone talks about Carly Lloyd in the final in, in 2015, but like you were you were the OG scoring a hat trick in the semis against Germany back in '91. Like tell us about that, you know? Like it's that was I don't know. Like it, we we had to get to the other stuff, but I think it warrants a part two to be able to just ask all those questions. I was really proud of myself for not asking more about Carrie Strug and that experience. Oh, dude, same. Like when she was talking about, oh, like we sat next to the, the 96 gymnast. It was like, I, I, all I want to know is like, how is Dominique Dawes as a person? I think I said middle, I think I said junior high. I want to say I was in, I think I was in sixth grade when that happened. And that makes sense. Cause you're a little bit older than me and I would have been, I would have been like fourth or fifth. I would have been like third or fourth grade. Cause I go based off of, I can remember what the years say on my yearbooks and I believe my middle school ones were 97, 98. No. Cause I started high school in 98. So sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. Um, I mean, and that side note, like complete sidebar that speaks volumes to how impactful those 96 like gymnast Olympians were because we oh, just yeah. named I think four or five of them. And like, those were people like I, I was, I think I was a third, I was probably like, so 96, I was nine years old, but I can remember all their names. Yeah. I, I had, and I bet I still do to this day. I bet I can find this. I had every single, this is really bad. This is, this is really bad. Every single newspaper article, about Carrie Strug. Uh, I had like my local paper. I had the USA Today, like the day after, you know, she basically like snaps her ankle in half and then goes on to have like- He's getting carried her, off, lands has on the, Has the most perfect routine of all time still. Off the, off the pommel horse or whatever. Yeah. Not the pommel horse, the vault, the vault. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how, like, I remember I got like the local paper and I went and got the USA Today and then I don't know if it was, I think maybe my family knew I had a problem and they had gotten me like some other uh, newspapers, like from our area. Um, and then I also had the sports illustrated that had uh, that whole thing in it. And I can remember just like, Hey, I, I remember like, this is a time where here we go, get super, super deep. This is where I was very split in life. And I was like, wow, like that was such an incredible performance. But I also found myself going, Man, she's super hot. <laughs> you're, you're at you were probably the same age as she was, so that makes sense. Uh, she is she's probably like three years older than you, maybe. 
They're all, they're all like 14 when they go to the Olympics. They're all like 14 to like 17. I think, you know, we're going to have to look this up. I think she was, I thought she like was graduating high school when that happened. Like uh, all the Olympians are typically like 14 to like 18 years old. Uh, let's see. Can you type in Olympic age? Like you can type in up. person. Um. She was 14. Uh, oh, no, hold on. She was 14 to 92 Olympics. So that would have meant. She was born in 77. So you were, you were in 83. I'm 84. So she's 84. seven years older than I am. Okay. So, um, yeah. So she would have been at 92. She was 14. So at 96, she was 18. And I was 10. 10 or 11, something like that. So. Yeah, that was prime, like those awkward years where I, like I said, I was like, I was captivated because I was just like, oh, what, an, what a performance. It's so incredible. I remember like watching it as it happened, like them showing it on the TV, not like hearing about it later, like watching it as it happens. And then like during the whole time, just being like, oh, I think she's kind of hot too, which is so like ridiculous. But also when you're 10 and 11, like that, that happens. Um, but um and I think that that team kind of like, I bet, you know, now, well, probably, I don't know about recently, but I know like I can name some of the gymnasts like over the last few years, all because of watching that 96 group. And I think oh. that, I mean, Simone Biles is one of the most like, she is I the mean, most athletic person in the world right oh, now. She's insane. And we're like, and I feel like she's like very well recognized now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I, I don't sit here and get me with LeBron's the greatest athlete of this generation. No, not at all. Like what gymnasts do and what Simone Biles, like the dominance that she's had, like we haven't seen, like this generation hasn't seen since like the good tiger years. Oh no. And don't throw at me like some like, Oh, Manchester United. Like, no, no, no dog. We ain't talking like that. Like this is like just pure athleticism. Um, Karen's super awesome. I'm, I'm glad that uh, we were able to chat with her. Uh, and and I, I feel sorry because I was the same. I was like looking at my watch. It's like 30 minutes. We have not asked one thing about Navy yet, um, which I promise that we will do in a second part um, with her. If she'll come back on the show, she may, she may have texted Mike afterwards. It was like, who are those dudes? Um, and uh, I think like most time when we have, uh, when we have guests on, if I don't know them, because I typically get on the call before you do, I normally like have like a good conversation. I was super, super awkward the whole time. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. And I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I kept thinking, I didn't know it was Mike Melton you were talking about. Um, so here's, here's here, this, is, this is wedding advice for you or marriage advice. Yeah. You'll have to make sure when you, when you talk to Kelly about, oh, you were chatting with so-and-so, you have to make sure you put a last name. Because when you kept saying Mike, I was like, Mike who? And then- you said, Karen, I was like, who do I know? I was like, I don't know anybody whose name is spelled like that. I don't know any mics who's, um, well, no soccer mics that they're like wives or anything's name's Karen. So I was just like, okay, like two people I don't know, like hopefully Nick knows them. And then like, whenever she got on, I was like, oh, that's who this is. (laughs) Did not even think about that. We're very Um, professional on this show, people. Absolutely absolutely I'm flying by the seat of our pants but you know what at this moment in time i think uh i think everybody is you know we haven't done this in a while we've got just a couple of minutes nick do you have 
a shout out of the week? Is there just somebody or something that you're just like, you know what? Shout out to you. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, my shout out this week is Shannon Danino. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but like a person I've become really close with, obviously, over the last few months. And like we've been coming in close over the last year and half that we've been friends. But I like I called her for a little bit of advice today about a player and something I was going through. And she was just a good person to lean on and talk to like and and just is going through some stuff by herself right now. And it was like she's she's crushing it, doing a really, really good job. What about you? Um I don't have really thought about it. That that that's it's the Nick shout out, man. Like I, you know. Um, I'm going to say, man, my shout out of the week would be to man, who's a coach that's just crushing it right now? Um I would have to say, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with uh, Lauren Senecola for a absolutely fantastic uh, performance. Also, though, shout out to her competitor Emma Morris. Uh, Emma did a great job for the I think, resources she had in. I think that Emma's video is highly underrated, and I said that like as soon as it got released. Um, and like you said, the limited resources that she had. Um, the amount of time that they're allowed to be outside in England. Um, she made all of it work and absolutely crushed it. And she also, this is something that no one else has done. So obviously the rules are like, Hey, like, you know, nothing over two minutes, try to keep it like a minute to, to two minutes. Emma did actually did the entire song. So I had to cut it down um, for just like a part that would like set in, but she actually did the entire song and the video was like incredible. Uh Emma, if we are ever in the same vicinity doing karaoke, you know I will do Avril karaoke. <laughs> well, she she uh, originally, I don't know if I want to give away what her original plan was. Don't. Don't um, do it. Let her have her revenge if it comes yeah. through. Because so I her, have revenge coming for Shannon, and it's going to be swift and angry. Taylor? Oh, I'm not giving away anything, but well, I you have. You just said swift, so I just assumed. No, that was not a play on words. Okay. Um, now just remember if you do go against Shannon again, you have to start before three o'clock the day that it's due. I believe I have plans. <laughs> um, she will lose and it's going to hurt her. Oh, flames. flames <laughs> right after I just gave her the now. nicest compliment ever. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hurt her. I don't hurt. know. Like. I, everybody, I've had a lot of people ask, like, hey, are you going to do, like, a winner's bracket? And I'm like, I don't, like. I think you should just let people, like, go at each other. Like, just make it a 1v1 battle, like, and just let Emma come back at Lauren Sokoa and, like, bring it to her, like, best of three series. <laughs> best of three series. So have the same people go again, you think? Yeah, why not? I mean, one, one goal, we don't like, I mean, soccer, we do two legs, right? You know, aggregate score. Yeah, but you got crushed on the road. I I understand. I like I but like <laughs> I might not have gotten that away goal, but I'm 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 ready for the home game. Wow. Um. I don't know. We'll we'll put it out. Soccer chat nation. What do you think about it? If that's the way we should go do it, then that's the Aggregate. way that we'll do it. In the spirit of the game. In the spirit of the game. Uh. Yeah. So I, I my shout outs to Lauren and to Emma. Great battle uh, in the lip sync battle. And again, I think Emma's, while the Tiger King, the video that Lauren did and, and having Amy help her out, 
um, was fantastic. When they sent it to me and they said, we're going for the element of surprise. That was not what I was expecting from them, but the, it just, it, they crushed it. Um, but at the same time, Emma's limited resources. Uh, she basically took like a fourth division team and just knocked it out of the park and got promoted to the premier division. Um, so way to go Sheffield United. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, I guess I, Nick, I don't know if you can see, I, I told you one day I was not going to that uh, a lot. No one can see this in the video, but Sean yeah. been rolling his mustache a lot in this. I have not because I don't have one, but he's yeah. been doing this action. So we were, we were on a phone call a while back and I don't know, I think we were talking about like quarantine hair, stuff, something like that, where like everybody's just, speaking of which, actually, you know what, my other shout out, Randy Waldrum's beard. He does have a beard. He does have I, a beard right now. I am loving all these people. He's got like the, he's got the gray going too a little bit. He's got like the old Fox look. I mean, it's a, it's a good look for him. It, it is a good look for him. It really is. And I hope that it keeps going too. Like, I'm not saying like get like thick like mine but even if he just did that like five o'clock like stubble type thing like oh randy you've got a great beard you've been you've been he's been he's been you gotta utilize it he has been hiding that for and that's why i told him too i was like dude you've been hiding that for way too long that is a glorious set of facial hair that you have there um and now i I, i'm so amazed by i can't remember what i was talking about um but uh yeah Oh, uh, we, Nick and I were on a call and we were talking about, you know, these quarantine hair or whatever, stuff like that. And I mentioned, I said, you know, like when I get up in the morning, like I actually have to like brush my mustache downward. So it looks like it connects to my beard. Cause if I don't, I get like the iron chic, like tombstone, um, doc holiday, uh, thing going on. And you, and, and you can't really tell because I've got this and obviously you're listening to this, but Nick can see it where the beard and like the mustache connect. So you can't really see it that well. But I mean, that, that's probably a better representation. You can I'll definitely tell the difference. Sean. Oh, top five movie all time. Don't it's even, really good movie. Tombstone don't even don't even try to debate me on that. I love um, Tombstone. I'm not debating you. I'm a big fan. I'm thinking of friends of mine who are massive movie buffs, and I feel like if they heard me say that, they would like denounce their friendship with me, and I would be like, you know what? No, Tombstone is a great movie. And the best movies, like one of the best lines of all time. I'll be your Huckleberry. We watched it in biology class my freshman year of high school. I don't know why we watched it. It's really not applicable to biology. I rem- but I feel, I feel like our biology teacher, there was something, he said there was something he said about it. And that's why we watched it. Because um, I do remember like he would never like stop the movie, but there was like three parts where he would stop it and like do some type of lesson. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to ask him what that was, but, um, that was the first time I ever saw Tombstone and Doc Holliday became my top five favorite movie characters of all time. I won't, um, I won't fight you on that one. He's a great character. Absolutely. I will be your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. Um, we went really over on this outro. Yeah, no, we, we definitely so, uh, so we'll have to, uh, have to, to shout you guys out later. Uh, it's our, uh, our, our, our 138th episode that we've done this now. A lot of episodes. Chat. We're, lot 150, of episodes. Is, we're, we're approaching 150. We'll be there before the end of the summer. Wow. 
we uh, we got to thank a lot of our good friends. Dutick Brand, check them out. Dutickbrand.com. Use the promo code SoccerChat. Uh, Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. Make sure after you've purchased one, get on Amazon. Give them a nice review. And also Soccer IQ. Check them out on Twitter at Soccer IQ One. Help us out. Support the show. Put the uh, the links out every single week. Um, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to start looking into. Uh, there's this podcast store that just opened up where you can put some gimmicks on there that people, if they want to buy it, Nick's shaking his head. So I think we'll probably sign up for that. Uh, so y'all can buy some, some fun gimmicks uh, and help support the show. Um, and also, like we said, the best way you can support the show is to share the links out every single week and let people know that you're listening and let us know what you like about it. And also give your boys a five-star rating and review. It's been so crazy, so weird uh, that this pandemic has done all these things. So obviously how we communicate with each other is so different. Nick, if somebody wants to communicate with you via Twitter or, or, or you know, just if they want to get in contact with you, how can they do so? At Coach N. Rizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Soderling. We get to do this every single week for free. Like we, The fact that you guys let us come back every single week and do this is absolutely incredible. Uh, but we get to do it because of people like you who keep supporting us and we thank you all for it, especially during this time. Uh, make sure to go back. If this is your first show, listen to our one, two episodes ago uh, with the Beck Murray uh, college coaches, go check it out. Absolutely fantastic interview. I love what all the uh, feedback that we've gotten from everybody on that one. And you're going to enjoy the one that you just heard and you're going to enjoy the one coming up soon as well because the best part about soccer chat it's not just a network it's not just question answering on twitter uh, it's not just a podcast it is the best part about this whole thing is that we get to do it again next week he's nick i'm sean nick we'll catch you later see you later brother